Welcome to the Eclectic Collection. We're in episode 14 today, a brief history of Mardi Gras. And well, that was this week. So also known as Fat Tuesday, uh, literally Mardi Gras is the French. Um, it is definitely a big day to celebrate in New Orleans. And I just got to thinking about this. Uh, it actually hit me around Christmas time because we were talking about the Three Kings. I had this whole conversation with my mother and she was bent on remembering the names I only ever knew Balthazar, so I felt cool that I had 33% of it down. But mom's like, no, no, there's these other two kings. And she knew the colors and who brought what. And I thought, hmm. And then I thought, well, that's interesting because that's like a Christmas thing. But then that can also bleed into Little Christmas. And if you're into European traditions, that goes even longer. And then the Christmas traditions kind of bleed into the Lenten traditions of Catholic Church. So here we are. And this week being first week of Lent, if you're in the Catholic faith, otherwise... Uh, you know, Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and then we start the most miserable six Fridays of my life because I love meat. I'm a carnivore, total meatitarian, and yes, I can't eat meat, and it's a grumpy thing, but we won't talk about that. So basically, I thought, you know, let's kind of figure out where this came from, and uh, I never really did the, the French thing. I did the Spanish-Italian thing, so I was talking to some of my uh, French-speaking buddies and, and some of my teacher colleagues and thought, well, what, you know, what, what do you know? What do you do? Because I've seen them do different things while we're busy doing Cinco de Mayo and, and having, uh, you know, international festivals. They're, they're doing king cakes and, and Mardi Gras. So um, what, what we found and what I kind of know, this is like all the little interesting fun facts. It turns out that like way back uh, in March of 1699, which makes sense because you figure generally speaking, Easter usually falls around March, April. Um, Jean Baptiste, uh, who has a really long name that I'm probably going to butcher, uh, de Monsieur de la Bienville is what we're going to go out of. But the Jean Baptiste I'm very, very confident in, uh, apparently showed up like 60 miles short of um, what is now New Orleans. And New Orleans was sort of the seat of Mardi Gras, still is the seat of Mardi Gras. And at some point, uh, basically started talking about it and got involved in, um, you know, in Louisiana turf. And when he got there, he eventually gets to what is now New Orleans and names it uh, Fort Louis de Louisiana. So, of course, you know, Louisiana and it's very, you know, Creole based and and a lot of that steep tradition in there. So 1703, not too long after, he develops this secret society to basically start the first Mardi Gras um, celebration, parade, tradition, whatever you want to call it, custom. And it takes till 1711 before they actually have a parade and do it. But then um, the secret society like forms out of that from uh, 1703, they decide to do it. And in 1704, they do that. And then they start establishing New Orleans itself in 1718. So that's sort of the really, really backstory um, as far as the country's concerned. And um, we're kind of a young country. So that's the backstory on the dates. However, way backstory in the BC turf um, really comes what I think, you know, is the, the crux of it, where you get the colors and the uh, names and, and the gifts, etc. So when you're thinking about it, and again, this is kind of like Christmas bleeding into to Lent. Um, the three kings were named Melchior, Gaspar, and Balthazar. And the, the deal was, um, obviously, they, you know, were all from different turfs got lost trying to find JC following the star whole nine yards. And you know that story. So Melchior was the Persian King 
and his color was gold. And here's a shock because he brought gold. That was his gift. And then Gaspar was the Indian king. He brought frankincense. His color was green. And Balthazar was uh, the Arabian king, which they mentioned Macedonia specifically, but he brought myrrh and his color was purple. Now, do you think it's an accident that gold, green, and purple are the Mardi Gras colors? No, but that's where I fall short is that the kings come up because of pastries and tradition, but they don't really follow it through too much. And it's gone into like med debauchery down in uh, in the Mardi Gras turf of Louisiana. But what it started out was a little cleaner. Um, so basically, those were the three colors, kings, and gifts. They all play into this. And then there's a lot of spotty history here. So um, the theory behind some of the uh, pastries and traditions come out of Europe. They morph into American things, no different than Halloween or any of the other things that we've done in the country. And they say 1730, uh, Mardi Gras was really starting to be celebrated more officially than its earlier beginnings. And everybody kind of has their thing. So just some things throughout the the cultures. So I know like the Germans, they always, they say they have on Mardi Gras, uh, they have Fasnachts, just a, a German word for basically a fried donut, you know, that they could fill with a jelly or a cream or just deep fried donut. So they do Fasnachts. The objective was to have Fat Tuesday. You're going to eat a lot because you're supposed to, on Wednesday, fast, not eat meat, um, you know, uh, not eat meat on the six subsequent Fridays. You know, it's day of repentance. You're getting ashes, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you know, from where you start, you become. Um, so everybody would just fatten up because if they were going to go into Lenten mode, they were going to not eat as much or, you know, deny themselves, give something up. Um, a lot of people give up candies or chocolate. I know that it's probably mom's this year since she's not allowed to eat chocolate right now, but I know that's a bummer. Um, <laughs> the king cakes, this is kind of where we come into the educational realm of things. We've always seen that. It's been in our classrooms forever. So the king cakes was like a little teeny baby. Don't worry. No one cooked a real one, but they took a little teeny uh, plastic figurine and they would stick that into a cake and bake it into a cake typically with the three colors of green gold and purple and you know they would give it out and everybody had a, a treat on that day and then whoever got like the baby it was like you were king for a day or you were lucky and sometimes in the U.S. you'll see that same concept they just use a jelly bean in lieu of a little plastic baby I guess because it's edible and you shouldn't really eat little plastic babies but that whole idea and then, you know, of, of having a king cake really kind of started from Europe. Now, you would think, I, I know the French do this, but the Spaniards do it in a, in a bigger way. Um, and they've always had the same concept of, of king cakes. But if you get the little baby in your king cake, then you're supposed to take it to church and it's blessed. Um, and then they, you're also responsible for the seasonal end of the Christmas season party, which is always February 2nd. So they go from like mid-December until the 2nd of February. And it's, there's many other traditions and things that go within that. But if you got that, it's like you're, you're supposedly blessed and then you take the little baby, which they actually go in and make a doll. And then that doll sits in the church and is also blessed, like a little larger than the little uh, figurine. And then you're supposed to throw the big party for the end of the season. That's like your honor for getting that on the 2nd of um, February. And in, in the Spanish culture, you know, a lot of times it's more like... Um, 
uh, tamales. You're supposed to make tamales for everybody. And it's like, your good luck, tamale. You could obviously have other things, but that's what they do on that last day of the season. And, you know, kids aren't in school. Uh, it's a very big holiday time, so it's very different than the U.S. And a lot of people are off for, for weeks and weeks at a time. So that's kind of where that started from the the um, Spaniard part of it. Um, as far as the no meat thing, I only bring this up because I'm still bitter and, and I like meat. But uh, had JC hung around with butchers, I think things would have been a little different. But he was a uh, fisher of men, so he hung around with a bunch of fishermen. So therefore, they were having a rough time and apparently approached him. I mean, you know, I wasn't there, but that's what I'm hearing. And, uh, you know, said, hey, I can't really get a hold of the fish aren't biting. I don't know what to do. We have to sell our fish. Not as many people are buying it. And he was like, no problem. I'll hook you up. So basically, that's why people turn to fish instead of meat. And, um, you know, it's more prevalent at the, at the time. And it did help actually help out the fishermen of the time. Um, as far as the morphing into the secular, apparently in 1856, way later, a bunch of men gathered in a room to discuss a big Mardi Gras parade, and they called themselves the Mystic Crew of Camus, who apparently is the Greek god of festivities. And um, they decided to make Mardi Gras a huge thing. Again, New Orleans. What I find funny is that currently it is actually illegal to disrobe or wear a mask <laughs> in New Orleans. Uh, or in Louisiana. Um, however, the masks, uh, the exceptions made for the masks on Mardi Gras. Not so sure about the disrobing part, but it seems that they go through with that anyhow. Um, as far as the Fleur de Lis goes, I just, I, this is a, a me thing. So literally meaning lily flower, the Fleur de Lis is pretty associated um, with, you know, New Orleans, with Mardi Gras, with the Creole culture, obviously the Saints uniform, uh, the football team. And it's a, really like a three-pronged, often gold symbol. And even though it's supposed to represent a lily, you know, in my head, of course, you know, three lucky number, biblical number, you've got three kings. Um, it is already gold. It's obviously French. So to me, that just all kind of morphs together and you see that there um, as part of it. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's just coincidence. But I find that, um, you know, God's way of uh, remaining anonymous is coincidence. So I don't know that that's necessarily true. But that's kind of the the backstory that, that uh, everybody may or may not know parts of it or, or the why. Um, certainly it's a huge deal today. I mean, you could be in any city and have Mardi Gras and have no need to, uh, uh, to, you know, not necessarily celebrate anywhere you go. It's just a question of if you're in New Orleans, that's like the big easy, literally the, the main place that a lot of people want to go. And of course, down, um, the French quarter, um, you could see millions and millions of parades and bars and things that, that whole week. And, uh, it's otherwise from what I'm told, pretty and kind of quiet when it's not that that time of year so I've never gone but um seen pictures and had friends go and said it was uh quite the raucous event so um that's what's going on secularly and where we think it came from in the church I just thought it was interesting for um that time of year and it's one of those little fun facts that now you can tell at a cocktail party and feel very important so Hopefully, uh, you enjoyed our little tidbits today of some culture, custom, and mayhem, as it would be in the French Quarter. And, uh, of course, Creole-based, so, you know, the French, of course, colonized, and, and you get um, a little, I'll say, lesser from the French in the sense that it's not pure French uh, people or pure French language, but just uh, like you see your French Canadians and the Creole, you start to see uh, morphs in the language, and you start to see... Um, dialects form, you know, different words actually come out of it. 
and uh, as in any language. So um, I'm just fascinated by that. But so that's kind of where that tradition came from. Now, where they got the crawfish, I don't know, but it's not my thing. Not a jambalaya fan. If you like today's episode, be sure to check out eclecticcollectionpodcast.com or follow us on your preferred platform. I'm Terry Tanaglia. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.